so we are just beginning our second part of uh, digging into uh, John's Gospel, thinking about the names that Jesus gives himself. Um, the, the Gospel of John is a funny one, isn't it? It's, um, if you've been reading it or uh, been digging into it, sort of been dipping in and out for a while, um, Jesus seems to be spending all of his time having these conversations with people where he's telling them who he is. And the people seem to be spending all their time asking Jesus who he is. So it's this weird exchange where Jesus is quite blatantly saying who he is, but people still don't really understand and they're back and forth about it. Um, Simon preached an, an amazing word last week where he talked about the power in Jesus' statement where he said, um, before Abraham was, I am. Um, if you missed that last week, which actually I did, but go back and listen on the podcast, um, it was an amazing introduction to where we're going. So we're going to be looking at and exploring um, the different names that uh, Jesus gives himself through the book of John in John's Gospel. He says um, a number of I am statements. Um, and so we're going to be looking at those um, as we continue to dig into uh, John's Gospel this morning. I wanted to start by telling you um, about a place that uh, when I visited it, and I did some work experience there for about a week or so, at the age of 16, um, changed the trajectory of my whole life and uh, still continues to, even though I haven't been back there since I was 16. Um, at 16, I was kind of in this place where I was sort of wanting to do some stuff and figure out what church meant. I was quite frustrated in the church that I was in, um, even though I was been given lots of opportunities uh, to explore and do some stuff. But I just wanted to figure out a little bit what it meant to be church. Um, and I was really lucky to be surrounded by um, a number of really amazing mentors who sent me off to all sorts of weird and wonderful places. Um, and one of the places that I was sent was a place called Somewhere Else. Um, I'd be really surprised if any of you had heard of it. So uh, a mentor who was sort of looking after me and guiding me at that time sent me off there. Um, now, somewhere else is an amazing, weird place. It's in the centre of Liverpool, or sort of what was the centre of Liverpool on Bold Street, um, above a shop. And you sort of, it, it's, you've no idea from the outside that that is what it is. Um, and uh, you go just up these rickety stairs to the top of this shop. And when you walk in, um, there's a room which is sort of like a massive long banqueting table almost. And to the side, there's um, big bread ovens and big proving ovens. Um, this place somewhere else is an amazing place which uh, every lunchtime gathers to uh, cook lunch together, eat lunch together, and have a short service of prayer and worship um, and reflection. Very simple model. Um, this place gathers uh, big issue sellers, homeless people, um, people with mental health issues, uh, professionals working in the area who have come for some lunch, uh, you know, people who work in McDonald's, students, just the whole spectrum, everything you would could possibly hope for to be represented in a church is there. It's this amazing group of people who gather, I believe they're still there, around the table every day to break bread together and to have lunch um, and to worship. Uh, and I, this place, and I'll go into it in a little bit more depth later, 
uh, but this place has honestly changed uh, the trajectory of my life. I don't think I'd be standing here now if I hadn't been in that place then. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that as we go on. Why don't I pray for us? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power that is in your name. That as we call out your name, there is breakthrough, that things change. Um, yes, yeah, so Holy Spirit, um, I pray that you would come now, even though you are so present already. Uh, we can almost taste you this morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being amongst us. See, I pray that you would continue to move. Would you use any words that fall out of my mouth for your good and for your kingdom this morning? In your name. Amen. So we're going to turn to John chapter 6, sort of around verse 25. So the context of, of where we're digging in is that Jesus has just been teaching on the mountainside. We've uh, looked at this story before. Jesus has just been teaching on the mountainside, and uh, the people who are listening to him are hungry. And so um, Jesus challenges his disciples to give them something to eat. And it, it's a story that might be familiar to you. Uh, Jesus breaks bread, and from one little boy's lunchbox, feeds 5,000, 15,000 maybe, people. Um, so that has just happened. And after that's happened, the people who had been gathered are all in a frenzy. They want to follow Jesus around. They want to figure out what on earth it is that's actually just happened. Um, but Jesus, having been teaching on the mountainside all day and having just performed an amazing sign, um, goes off and retreats. So that's the context that we're in. The people are kind of wandering around trying to find Jesus again because they want to try and get to the bottom of what it is that has just happened. So that's where we're at. So the people um, have just found Jesus. Um, now, I think it's important to understand that, um, from what we can read, maybe this is my interpretation, um, that the people are intrigued by what's happened, but almost from a perspective of, hold on a minute, if we follow this guy about, we might get free food. I think that's the level we're at here. So, you know, these aren't a group of deeply theological people who are trying to figure out the meaning of the kingdom. They're after lunch, I think, is what's going on here. So I'm going to read, starting at verse 25 um, in chapter 6, and um, I'm going to put my spin on it. You, you can agree or disagree. We'll see. Um, so when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So that's what he's saying. You know, you're not looking for me because I'm amazing. You're looking for me because you want some food. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So Jesus is trying to interpret what's happened to them. He's trying to say to them, listen, this was really significant. Uh, it's, it's telling us about who I am. Uh, try and tune in. Um, the people still don't really get it. Uh, they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? So Jesus answers, the work of God is this, uh, to believe in the one he has sent. So it, Jesus is saying, you know, you, you need to come to me. Believe in me. Um, but they still don't really understand. They ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? 
what will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're like, yeah, but God did that thing with the manna. You could do that again? They're still after the food. And Jesus is trying to say, come on, like, hello. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's saying the bread is a symbol, guys, of what's just happened. I am Jesus sent from heaven. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. (sighs) Then Jesus, this is my favorite thing. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. For goodness sake. I added that bit. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you don't believe. Isn't that the most amazing exchange? Um, So today we're talking about Jesus says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. What impact does it, could it have on us when we understand Jesus as the bread of life? What impact could it have on us when we understand what it is that he's trying to say about himself to the people and to us? I am here in the Phil Williams School of Preaching, so obviously I have three points that beginning with the same letter. Um, so bread is this amazing thing, isn't it? It's kind of gone, it's kind of lost its popularity in our culture a little bit, hasn't it? Um, you know, I always think of my grandparents and no matter what meal we were eating, there would always be like white sliced bread on the table buttered. Why is that not a thing anymore? Um, bread is kind of fallen out of our particular culture, hasn't it? You know, it's, it's not, unless it's like five pound sourdough, it's not cool to like bread. But bread is a cultural thing. Bread is a uniting thing. You know, if you think about any real, any real culture, um, whenever there's a celebration, there's always bread involved. Um, there's always a particular bread. You know, if you've been watching Bake Off, um, which I hope you all have, there's, there's a particular, you know, there's, there's national breads for each country, isn't there? And they bring them out at particular special times. Um, so bread is this uniting thing. Uh, breaking bread together is a special, intimate time. It's a special thing to break bread with one another. So the people who are following Jesus are questioning him. They're drawn to him because he's doing this thing. He's broken bread with them, and they want to try and understand that. These were people who were dispersed people. And all of a sudden, Jesus says to them uh, during, when, he's, when he's breaking the bread with them, when he's feeding the 5,000, sit down. This group of people have gone from being dispersed people to being seated together. Not necessarily around a table, but seated together, breaking bread with one another. And bread does that, doesn't it? When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I seat you at my table. I unite you together. Before where you were dispersed, now you're united around this bread. You're united around who I am. And that is what's happening. You know, the people are just a random crowd, but they bunch together to try and follow Jesus around, to try and figure out what this bread thing is all about. 
When we see Jesus as this bread, we accept Jesus, I am the bread of life. We are seated around his table. We go from being dispersed to being seated. That's the first S. It was a tricky one to find as well. The second one is this bread. It satisfies us. You know, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I can satisfy you. The idea of God providing bread was and still is deeply embedded in the Jewish culture. You know, even today, um, just before the Sabbath, there will be two loaves of what's called challah bread. If you go and um, eat on a Friday night with um, a Jewish family, they'd have two loaves of bread. Um, And that's to represent that when the manna fell from heaven, um, God provided manna for his people in the desert. Um, He, on on the Sabbath, would give a double portion of of the manna from heaven uh, so that they didn't have to work on the Sabbath to collect the bread. Um, This is like deeply ingrained in the culture. So, in case you're not aware, in, in, back in, the, in the Exodus, in Exodus 16, the people of God and the Israelites have been, have, they've escaped from slavery and they're wandering in the desert and they're hungry because they're in the desert. Um, and they're grumbling. They're trying to figure out what on earth is going on. Um, why have God, why, they're saying, God, why have you sent us out into the desert? We're hungry. We're, we, when we were in Egypt, we had meat to eat, and we, even though they were slaves. Um, we had meat, and now we're hungry, and so God sends literally bread and meat from heaven for them. Um, and that's because, you know, something that's become ingrained in Jewish culture even now. They were hungry, and then they were satisfied. Um, but actually, they weren't satisfied for very long. And I think this really speaks to us, it really speaks to me. Um, When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I can give you satisfaction, ultimate satisfaction. Um, But how often are we in our lives grumbling, even though God has given us the thing to satisfy us? How often are we, um, God, I'm hungry, when he's given us that bread already? And that's not to say that we should always be content with what's going on. You know, there are times where we're feeling really discontent, really unsure about what's going on. But when Jesus says he is the bread of life, what he's saying to us is, be satisfied in me. I have given you what you need to satisfy your hunger. He says this in verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And you know, when we face our lives in this place of satisfaction, knowing who we are in him, knowing who we are in the bread of life, we can face our lives in a, in a bolder way. We can face our lives with more courage, with more um, bravery, because we can stand satisfied knowing who we are in him. Even if we're not satisfied with our situation, even if we're not satisfied with our lives, not satisfied with our health or with our financial situation, we can stand in satisfaction knowing that we are his. You know, knowing that he fills us, that we don't have to go hungry for his relationship. You know, we don't have to go lonely because he is ours and we are his. We can stand in that place of satisfaction. Um, even when the day, you know, even when things are tough. I was trying to think of 
an example in my life where I'm feel, I've been feeling dissatisfied and actually um, recently had an amazing thing happen to us where um, we've been for a while thinking about moving house, probably for about a year. Um, if you don't know, we've just had, well, I'll say just, seven months ago, we had a second little girl. Um, and we've sort of run out of space in our current flat, which is a whole other story, but we are, we've been incredibly, miraculously blessed by this flat that we have been living in. You know, the landlord, who's not a Christian, doesn't really know anything about us, has been charging us way less than rent so that we can, the market rent so that we can afford it. It's a whole different story. Um, but we've been feeling, at least I have, been feeling that sense of dissatisfaction. You know, God, why have you not given us a new place to live? We're so full here. We're so on top of each other now. Um, I've been looking at all sorts of different options. I've been playing the right move game, which you should never play. If you're feeling dissatisfied, don't start flicking through right move. Um, it's not good. Don't do it. Um, but I was doing it. And I promise you, as I was doing it, I was literally on the right move app flicking through. Um, Krista, who some of you know, sent me a message just to say, I've just had a word for you. Um, and it said this, um, don't be in a rush to move on. And I was like, oh, fine. <sighs> okay, I get it. Deleted the app off my phone. Thought nothing more of it. And then maybe, I don't know, a month later, an opportunity came up for us to move into a place that, I'm not going to lie, I've been having my eye on for a while, um, that, we, that we never, ever, ever would be able to afford um, if it wasn't for the blessing of uh, the landlord who's giving us t it to us for a much, again, lower rent. Um, but it's just there an example of dissatisfaction doesn't feed us. But when we have satisfaction in his word, in the word that he speaks over us, we can sit in peace and we can wait for him. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I can give you satisfaction. The last S, so we've had, we can be seated, we can be satisfied. But the, the most significant, what Jesus is really saying when he's saying, I am the bread of life, is that we can be saved through this bread. Remember, um, if some of you are here quite a while ago, um, Phil was speaking about um, being in Christ. I don't know if you can picture, uh, if you're here, you can, yeah, Katie's nodding, she knows what I'm about to say. Um, he stood up here in a onesie that zipped all the way up to the head. Do you remember that? It was a wonderful moment for all of us. Um, it was a pivot point in the church. Um, and um, this is kind of the, the inside out version of that. You know, being in Christ, his picture was that we are entirely, when we say we're in Christ, we're entirely zipped up in him. You know, you'd never, you, you look at us and you see Christ. And this is like the, the, it means the same thing, but it's like the inside out version. So when Jesus is saying, you know, eat the bread, um, I'm the bread of life. He's saying when you take that bread in, we become one, you and I. You know, me and you, Jesus and you, we become one. We take, physically take in Christ. Um, you know, it, it, it's what we're symbolizing, isn't it, when we take communion together, when we eat that bread. We're symbolizing the taking in of Christ, the becoming one with Christ, with who he is. Uh, a little bit later in the passage we've been looking at, Jesus says this, since verse 47. Um, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. 
but here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So actually, really, the true satisfaction that we find in this bread of life comes from knowing that we are saved by him. And you know what? Jesus couldn't say it more plainly than he's just said it there. He says, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven. Forget the manna. That was just a foretaste of what I'm going to do. You will live forever if you eat this bread. He literally says that. You will live forever if you eat this bread, if you take me in, if you become one with me. You will live forever. He says that. You will be saved. And in case you're still in any doubt, the bread is my body and I'm giving it freely for you. He literally says those words. For you and anyone who wants it. So you can be seated at the table You can be satisfied. You can be saved because Jesus is the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. Take me in, eat my flesh. That's what he says. Sorry to use the F word. (laughs) He says this in verse 38. I think it is. I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me. Well, this is what it says in the message. This is really cool. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more, ever. I told you this explicitly because even though you've seen me in action, you don't really believe me. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and don't let go. I came down from heaven not to follow my own whim, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. I am the bread of life. Once that person who my father has given to me, gives it to me, is with me, I hold on and I don't let go, is what Jesus says. It's the will of his father that whoever is given to him, whoever commits to following him, you know, whoever consumes him by committing to follow him and taking him in, he will not, he will not let go. We will not die. Death will not defeat us. We will be seated at his table. We will be satisfied in him. We will be saved by him. We will live forever. It literally says that. It literally says that. That's what it means when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Let me take you back to somewhere else for a minute. The special thing about somewhere else is that at about six o'clock in the morning, one of the volunteers comes in and he or she turns on the, the bread ovens, turns on the proving ovens, and a small group of people gather together and they mix and they knead and they prove and they bake bread. And the people from the city, from all walks of life, gather together at the table around this bread that has been baked for them. They eat lunch together and they worship the king. Is there a more perfect picture of the kingdom of God than that? So when I was part of that just for a week, just going in early, just taking the bus into Liverpool, sitting around that table, chatting to people from different walks of life, that changed my life forever. Because if that's what it means to be a follower of Christ, if that's what it means to be the church, I'm so in. I'm so in. And that is why I'm here training and trying to figure out what it means to lead a church, because that's what it should look like. 
And that's what this place looks like, you know, as people stand up here and share, like pour out their guts, you know, about their mental health. Uh, Hannah, that was amazing. Thank you for being so vulnerable with us. As people do that, breakthrough happens. You know, the Spirit of God is moving in a powerful way. So if you want to receive breakthrough this morning for anything, literally anything, heal, physical healing, if you need to see financial breakthrough in your life, if you need to move into a new house, I'm reckoning now's the time. You know, if you need to see breakthrough in your life, please come forward and be prayed for. Please, because the Spirit of God is here in power this morning. He says, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you will be seated at my table. You will be satisfied in me and in who you are in me. And you will be saved because I have given my body, I've given that bread for you to eat, to take in.